This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Great to have you with us, and thanks so much, as always, for tuning in to From the Braves Booth podcast. Alongside Joe Simpson and our producer-engineer, Jonathan Chadwick, Ben Ingram here with you for episode number 36 of our show, and this is a postseason edition, taking all your questions and comments at our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. You can fire away at any point with those because hopefully, Joe, this is not our last show. I'm hoping we do another three or four of these and get right back where we were last year. Yeah, we know uh, how important yesterday's game was and how disappointing it was to fall one run short. Um, But we know how these guys respond, too, how they bounce back, and we'll put a lot of confidence in that and a lot of confidence in Kyle Wright today. Uh, what I'm putting a lot of faith in is how they responded against the Mets and against uh, DeGrom and Scherzer mm-hmm. back-to-back and how they took care of business there. Uh, Braves have a tough road to hoe here with uh, uh, Wheeler and Nola coming up, but I have ever conf- every confidence that they'll be able to do the same thing they did to New York. How about a couple of good numbers that I got for you? And I'll, use these, I'll use these on the broadcast later. You and I talked about this yesterday. There have been only two times this season where the Braves lost back-to-back home games. I looked that up. Only one of those was to the same team. They lost a game to the Reds and then a game to the Nationals the very next day. That happened in April. Uh, obviously a much different team then. Then a few weeks after that, they lost back-to-back games to the Marlins. Those are the only two times all year they've lost back-to-back games at home um, and only one time to one team. Furthermore, over the course of the last five seasons – the Phillies have won on back-to-back days in this ballpark one time. Mm. That was in September of 2019. They have not won back-to-back days in this ballpark outside of that over the last five years. I know you could give a rebuttal of those are different teams, different players, and all that, but the, the point is it's hard to achieve, and that's what uh, they're trying to do today. Well, that's what Truist Park is. That's what Truist Park means uh, with the fans, uh, with the team, the organization, everything. Everybody knows coming in to Atlanta, it's – it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a, a tough challenge uh, to win one game in a series, let alone two or three. So uh, the Phillies know that. Every other team knows that. And uh, certainly uh, Zach Wheeler, who's pitching today for Philadelphia, being a local guy, he knows that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have every confidence, again, that uh, our fans will be fired up just as they were yesterday and that uh, Braves will take care of business. As we're recording this, you and I have been looking at the forecast throughout the morning stinks not very good and that could be a uh, that could put a dent in our plans and who knows how that affects the ball game in the series i mean you have to be you have to think ahead because of the severity i'll say of the forecast in terms of it just raining uh kind of non-stop after three o'clock game's supposed to start at four and i'm not trying to deter anybody from coming to the ballpark because you know they're going to make every effort to get this game in even if we're here till very late tonight So um, with that in mind, the only thing that you have to be aware of uh, is your starting pitcher. Right. Both sides. Uh, You can't run them down there and start warming up with the the threat of rain and how it might affect tomorrow or the next day or especially today and lose a guy. You just can't do that. 
Let me ask you a question that I don't know the answer to. You might not either, but since you've worked in TV and have done postseason games on TV, if it comes to pushing this game to later or thinking about tomorrow or other options for this ball game, who determines that, the league or the networks or the team? How does that work? When postseason baseball starts, MLB is in charge of everything. They're not in charge of you and me or there'd be a fist fight in the booth. <laughs> but they are in charge of the operation of the postseason games in just about every aspect. Uh, Brian Snitker can make out his own lineup. They give him that that freedom. <laughs> but, um, no, they, they control all of that. Naturally, when you have – I think there's only two games today, right? Right. Uh, ours, AL's got the side off, the, the day off today. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it's not like there's a staircase of four games that you all of a sudden you push the game back and you're starting at the same time somebody else is starting – Today's a little different. might be a little bit easier to massage this game in through the weather. Yeah, I think so, too. That other ball game, Dodgers and Padres, is at 837 Eastern this evening. Um, so, yeah, you're right. They, I guess from a TV standpoint, they have a little bit more time. They could figure this thing out. And for me personally, um, I, I don't want to see bad field conditions, but if this ends up being a night game and we're clear after, I don't know, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, whatever it may be, I think that benefits the ball club. I think that benefits the Braves. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to – the reason I would agree with you on that is the Phillies' bullpen and how many guys they used yesterday. Yeah. And Sir Anthony Dominguez going two innings. They can get an extra day's rest, and that would help them. Mm -hmm. Well, you got Zach Wheeler tonight. And um, like we were discussing yesterday, and you, you referenced just a second ago, this is a hometown start for him. And with this being the biggest postseason game and, and the biggest game he's ever pitched, this will be bigger than the wild card series, and that's the only postseason experience that he's ever had before. That is a really, really big stage, and, and I could see that going one of two different ways. You, you're either locked in, you have one of the best days you've ever had, or you just you ain't got it at all. I have a hard time seeing it there being a, much of an in-between, and, and that'll be one part of this. But Kyle Wright's got to go out there and do what he's done so many times this season. We keep going back to the point of origin for his success being his two appearances in the World Series last year. So he's pitched on bigger stages than this. He's got a full season of confidence behind him, and I can't see any reason, especially being at home, that he would shy away from this moment, not be the guy that we've seen throughout the season. Yeah, I don't have any qualms at all about Kyle Wright being the second-game pitcher. I think he has earned that. Uh, some might say he earned the first game, winning 21 games. But Max Fried's experience uh, as a, uh, a proven postgame pitcher certainly warranted him going out there yesterday, despite the fact that he may not have had his strength and stamina and his legs under him. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody knew until he got out there. Uh, for Kyle, I, I think he will be just fine in terms of the emotional side of it. Now, he's got – two or three good pitches Uh, he's got at least three good pitches and even if one's not working I think he can find a spot place to get rid of the or move away from one that might not be working right and still be successful uh the bullpen is locked and loaded ready to go Brian didn't have to burn up his whole bullpen yesterday so uh, if uh, honestly, if Wright can give him five strong innings, I feel good about it. I do too. And if you can do for him what the Phillies did yesterday for Ranger Suarez, Ranger Suarez didn't have very good stuff yesterday. The difference is Max didn't either. The Phillies made him pay for it. The Braves didn't make Ranger Suarez pay for it. He walked five guys, yeah. didn't he? I mean, he didn't have anything. Mm-mm. And it just, he got off the hook. That's the only way you can put it. I don't want to say he got lucky. Uh, because he's pitched too well against the Braves in the past to say that. But he got off the hook. And the ground ball double play 
uh, throwing a good cutter to Contreras in the first inning might have been the biggest pitch of the whole ball game. Great point. To get that double play ball and get out of that inning. Uh, it, even if the Braves only got one run in the first, offset the two for the Phillies, it just sent a message that game on. We're not rolling over here mm. just because you got two runs. So um, I, Brian Snicker said it best in his post game comments he said they got hits when it counted we didn't yeah and man we talked about that so many times during the regular season because that's what this team did so well in two out base hits two strike base hits uh base hits with runners in scoring position they thrived in that and i think you and i both thought that was one of the biggest differences between the, the braves winning the division and the mets not so you get to the postseason and i feel like that is the biggest stat that and what your pitchers do those are the two biggest elements in my opinion for postseason success two out base hits and for the team to not come through the way that they have come through all year long, that surprised me because it's not like you have to get a base hit in all those situations. He just needed one yeah. in one of those situations. Well, I, I make a list, uh, a pre-snit show list of questions I'm going to ask him, and I've already got my list made out today for the show that's coming up in about an hour uh, to ask him. You know, home runs are great. This team lives and dies by the home runs. Boy, at a close second, though, in the postseason – are hitting with runners in scoring position, yes. regardless of how many outs there are. And I'm, I'm sure he'll agree with me, but uh, certainly after yesterday. Let me ask you about this lineup today. You and I were texting about this about an hour ago. Lineup comes out, and it's Ozuna as the DH over Contreras. Were you surprised by that at all? Yeah, a little bit, but I know a lot goes into it. You know, they really look at matchups and how well player A has done against Wheeler or player B uh, experience plays a part of it. And um, I, I – th- I know that there's a good reason for it. Yeah. I'm not sitting back going, what What in the world are they thinking? I think there's a good, there's probably a very good reason or two about it. I think furthermore, you expect to have a better performance out of Dansby Swanson today. Ooh, I love what yeah. we saw out of Acuna last night and what we saw out of Olsen. But the two guys in between them, uh, with Dansby and Austin, uh, I know Austin got on base, I believe, with a walk, but and Dansby had a base hit later in the ball game. Uh, but I know he had to be just killing himself over the four strikeouts. We don't see that much. No, never. I mean, he strikes out a lot, but not four times in a row in one game. And the double that he – well, it turned out to be a single off the wall to right field in the ninth inning hopefully registered something with him that you don't have to pull the ball. And uh, we said this at the beginning of the game with Ranger Suarez. If you try to pull him, he's going to eat you alive. And he did that to Dansby, who was trying to uh, – it appeared to me – pull the ball they ran running sinkers down and in he's going over the top of it so hopefully that that hard hit ball off the wall and right registers with Dansby today uh going back to Ronald I was thrilled with what he did yesterday I had told you that I thought he was the key to the guy anybody in the Braves lineup he was going to be the key in this postseason uh he needed to be that guy that gets on base and wreaks havoc and he did yesterday Five days off. I know the team needed that. Do you, do you think that was a detriment to some of the early game opportunities that they had offensively, or is that just Phillies that they made the pitch? We can we can lay some blame on that. You know, I think that's easy to do. Um, there are a lot of people that think, uh, "Hey, Phillies were playing right on through, and look, they came out like gangbusters in the first inning." Well, guess what? Look at the other three series that were played yesterday. Yeah. Every one of them were won by the team that had the rest. That's right. There was no team that won the wild card and won yesterday except for the Phillies. So I don't think you can put a lot of stock in that. And if you have to ask Travis Darno if it bothered him, 
No, he yeah. stepped up his first at bat and hit a home run uh-huh. in the second inning, I think, or third inning, whatever it was. Uh, so I think it was just uh, happenstance more mm-hmm. than anything else. And 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 B, uh, Max just wasn't himself. Plain yeah. and plain and simple, he wasn't himself. And you got to have your starters in the postseason. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very simple. This team was in this situation last year. And they lose game one in Milwaukee on the road. They come back and win games two and three in shutout fashion. That goes to to prove your point about how the pitching has got to be there for you. you. You could say that, yes, this situation is different this season. It's a different team you're facing. They're about to run their top two pitchers at you where, you know, while the Brewers had really good pitchers, uh, maybe it wasn't the caliber of Wheeler and Nola that you're going to see in games two and three. Either way. I, I think you can draw some confidence from the from the standpoint that you were here last year and you know what it takes to overcome an 0-1 deficit. And I, I think it has a start on the mound like it did for the Braves last year. It's not the end of the world. I know a lot of our fans think that because uh, we just expect, we've come to expect, all of us have, uh, to see Max Fried throw a gym. Right. You know, and shut the other team down. And somebody hit a homer or two, as we did yesterday, and win the game. Well, we scored six runs. I know three were in the ninth inning. But we did score six runs. That would have been enough in most cases to win games. Uh, I, I have no doubts that we could we can get four or five or more off off Zach Wheeler. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a matter of the Braves pitching, as you said, holding the Phillies down, who are on pr- a pretty good roll right now. What, let me throw out something that I, I never thought I'd see. Um, we talked a little bit during the game yesterday about small ball and how a lot of the wild card teams, particularly San Diego and Cleveland. We're putting down bunts. They were moving runners up and everything. Bryce Harper puts a sacrifice bunt down yesterday. What's going on? Is, right. Are we off our axis here somewhere? <laughs> somewhere along the way, things really changed a lot. Man. Uh, I mean, that's a two-time MVP getting up and bunting. Here's what I like about that. And I, I'm typically of the mindset of if I've got a bunch of guys who can hit home runs, I want to keep that aggressive nature. I want them to be themselves. I want them to hunt gaps. I want them to hit home runs. But I think the situation has to dictate what you do. I'm all for going up there and looking for the three-run home run. That's wonderful. But every now and then, especially in a postseason game, you're going to get an opportunity where if you can get that guy over and get him in, what's what was that? What's that one more run going to mean for you? Yesterday, I meant the ball game. Yeah, you did. And, and and when you execute the small things, we've talked about this a thousand times. The small things turn into big things. When you execute the small things, big things happen for you. They won that game by one run yesterday, and they perfectly executed what they wanted to do in those situations with men on base. Um, sacrifice fly, get them over, get them in. Sack bunt twice, two sack bunts. They had more sack bunts yesterday than the Braves had all year. Two sack bunts and two sacrifice flies. Mm-hmm. Great manufacturing of runs that were instrumental. Um, you know, there's analytical geniuses in every front office in America sitting there with their eyeballs bouncing off the side of their heads like, what are they doing? What's going on? Why did he do that? Right. Yeah, you know, it doesn't make sense. Why did he – oh, they got a run. Oh, they won by one run. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Now, red one run's worth a million bucks in that situation. Uh, oh, my gosh. It, it just, it's just old-school baseball. I'll, I admit it. I know where, where the accusations of me will come from for talking about it this way. But, as you said, a two-time MVP saw the need to get that runner to third base uh, with one out. And Bryce Harper, of all people, did what was called for there. Yeah, maybe you don't do that in June. Maybe you do. I don't know. Right. But in October, right. yeah, right. you need that run. And, and it's extra runs. He's been around long enough to know that four runs weren't going to be enough. I think it was four to one at that time. 
Uh, that's not going to be enough against yeah. the Braves in this ballpark. We got to get more runs, and you didn't do it by trying to hit a home run. Goes over one sixty-two. You're talking about the accumulation over an entire season. This is a different set of circumstances. Way different. Yeah. This is not about having the same approach, looking for the home run, and the accumulation of one sixty-two. You get your big numbers. You get your runs. This is a best five series. Mm-hmm. So the the way that you play it, the way that you strategize it compared to the regular season, I think it definitely has a lot of wiggle room there with how you approach that and handle situations now compared to maybe back in July. Uh, this may be a really poor analogy. I don't know. Uh, picture a high-stakes game of pool. There's only five balls on the table and a cue ball, and you get to hit first, and you knock a ball in, and you knock if you knock in three, you win. You don't have to knock all five in. You just got to knock in three. You knock the first one in, you're looking pretty good. Yeah. And you do what you have to do to win. It's not about showing off, showing out, you know, and proving to everybody you can hit a ball nine miles like he did in in St. Louis. Right. Um, It's about doing the right things, doing the little things to win because it is such a small window here in a best-of-five series. Yeah. You don't do that, then – you're having a picnic on yeah. Monday of next he, week. He may not have done it in a seven-game series, uh-huh. but in this series yeah. or in the wild-card series, heck yeah. That's a great point. Really good point. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I know we have a ton of questions and comments. Anything else you want to touch on before we dive into those? Uh, I I thought I did, but I I don't. Of course, I don't remember what it was. So no. <laughs> okay, it'll come back. Yeah, it will. Um, you can send us questions, comments, anything you want, anytime you want. Bravesbooth at gmail dot com. Um, I want to start things off with this question from Charlie. Is one of the major advantages of doing radio getting to call postseason games when the TV folks are sitting at home? Charlie, that is a great, great question, and 100% you are accurate. I was, uh, you know, when we were on the bus coming home from Miami after we landed, we're on 285 coming back to the ballpark, it dawns on me like it does every year. Our, our TV brethren, I mean, yeah, they're going to do, do some stuff on Bally for post game and social media but they don't get to call any more games they're done and we get to do that all the way through and i just think it's um such a privilege to be able to do that and i hate that they don't get to because this is so much fun for us to be a part of and doing what we do for these games so it is a distinct advantage in my opinion getting to to do radio uh given that we get to call postseason games every single year and so long as the braves are on the field we'll be on the field so uh, great question from Charlie. It it is, and and I hate it for our TV guys too. When you when you work that hard to not be a, be a part of it uh, this time of year, uh, they're doing pre and post on Bally uh, before and after every game, so you can pick up some of our guys there. And they added Charlie Culberson uh, to the mix too. Uh, so I would encourage you to check out Charlie on their pre and post. He's certainly one of the more popular guys to have played for Atlanta in recent times, and I'm sure he'll do a good job for him. Absolutely. Um, this is one that I, I know is a real sticking point for a lot of people, um, and I'm going to get to it right away. If I have to see Jose Alvarado have another mound fixed again, I may lose it. 
what in the world that's from hunter uh yeah we're, we're kind of losing it up here over that too hunter and i even texted ed mangan this morning and first of all told him how beautiful the field looked and what great shape it's in and it is as usual for the postseason and all year long but i told him you know i think if it were me i'd tell him you know nine guys have pitched or ten guys pitched on this mound all all day before you got here it was fine for everybody else you want to fix you fix it (laughs) if you don't like it don't pitch bring your own dirt brother you know and then (laughs) then ed's standing there when they're kind of wrapping up and ed's trying to like wants to like sweep some of the loose clay or dirt away from the slope and he won't stop warming up then he's warming up and he won't stop and it's like okay then fine here put all the stuff in the wheelbarrow the odd part about it is hey jay-z hello throughout the course of 162 games i don't remember that happening more than maybe one or two times and the last three or four times we've seen the phillies alvarado's had that mound fixed every single time yeah it's always a different guy and usually with good reason maybe there's a hole there that they need to plug up a little bit but he does it on purpose yeah yeah it seems like it's intentional yeah by the way, I'm sorry I didn't introduce you properly. I said producer Jonathan Chadwick. It's also producer in game 162 play-by-play man, Jonathan Chadwick. Thank you very much. Get it right. <laughs> Say it. Hello again, everybody. Hello again, everybody. <laughs> there you Did go. Did you have fun? <laughs> I didn't have time to have fun. <laughs> but a- after the fact, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> That's going to be an annual tradition. Yeah, you know? it could have went a lot better, but it was fun. It's a great job. No, it's not, it's not that easy. Just plop down and start doing it, huh? No, it's not. It's not at all. I've heard you guys talk before about how playoff baseball is so intense and so different from a regular season game. The more playoff games the three of you work, the things slow down for you guys there. That's from Brandon. I think that's very much the case. I I can speak from personal experience. Uh, I've never done cocaine before, but I feel like the very first time I caught a postseason game, I felt like I was on drugs. Yeah, I felt like I was going about 700 miles an hour. And... um, I, I don't know. I just couldn't calm myself down. But I think through repetitions, you get desensitized to all that, and you can focus in on, on doing the game because you feel like you have to do so much. You feel like you have to do so much more than you normally do, and you don't. No. And uh, now I, I feel like, to a degree, I can understand how a rookie player feels when they get the call up and they feel like they got to go above and beyond what they've done in the minor leagues just to mm-hmm. form in the big leagues. So. Yeah. I remember that game. St. Louis. Yes. Jay Chad and I both had to come over and put our arm around you and say, <laughs> okay. Okay, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Needed oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> I think for, even from where I sit, I remember the first time I ever did a playoff game by myself, I, you know, I was a nervous wreck um, just because you feel an immense amount of pressure for everything to go right and to sound right, and you have a lot on your plate. You feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. I'm not comparing TV and radio, but with TV, they have a truck full of people. With radio, behind the scenes, it's just me, and so it's all on me to make it work. And so it was nerve-wracking, and the game's no different. It's still nine innings. It's still 27 outs. But there's a lot more emphasis on these games, and you just want it to go right. And I've been lucky every year I've been doing this. The Braves have made the playoffs, so I have a lot of playoff games under my belt. And certainly after getting through the World Series last year and living to tell about it, mm-hmm. things have greatly slowed down. That's a great point. I mean, once you win it, that, that definitely absolutely that calms you down a lot. It, it does. And you realize that um, it's important. Every pitch, every half inning is important. But you know that there's uh, some light at the end of the tunnel, too. Right. And you get to play today, hopefully weather permitting. Speaking of that, 
This is from Ron. He said, as you guys record this before game two, tell me what should make me confident heading into this game, please. I'll give you – I'll go back to the numbers that I gave you about opposing teams winning here back-to-back days. That only happened one time. Uh, I'll give you another part. Kyle Wright led the league in wins. That's what you're looking to do today, right? Win a game. Yep. I don't care how he gets there. Was he the most dominant pitcher this year? No. Uh, Would would you say that he was um, the most intimidating pitcher in the National League? Absolutely not. But he wins games. So I feel good about the Braves' chances with him on the mound, and that's what I'm going to stick with today. I can promise you I know enough about the guys down there in that clubhouse that right now there is zero panic in that room. The other thing that sticks out to me is this. On this very podcast, over the course of the summer, certainly when the game, uh, the Braves were ten and a half games back of the Mets, we got the question constantly, at what point do you forget about the vision, forget about the division and start to focus on the wild card? And I remember answering it and saying, when you're mathematically eliminated. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They tracked their butts down and they won the division. So until they're out of it, there's no reason not to be confident about this bunch. That's right. Being a short series, this is from Sal. Being a short series like the NLDS is and already being a, down a game, I'd have to imagine Kyle Wright's leash will be pretty short this afternoon. Do you agree? And do you see the moment being too big for him? I'm going to say no, it is not too big for him at all, as Ben alluded to earlier. The two games last year in the World Series went a long way toward Kyle getting his feet on the ground and realizing he can pitch at this level. Uh, Short leash? Uh, Yeah, I can see that. If he doesn't have it and they're knocking him around, I don't think Snit will hesitate to go to somebody in the bullpen. No, and come the postseason, I don't care who the pitcher is. I don't care if it's Justin Verlander or a rookie. To me, every leash in the postseason is about an inning long because that's how quickly things can go off the rails uh, in in the postseason. When it comes to the quote-unquote leash – uh, you have a longer leash in the po- in the uh, in the regular season because you got innings to eat. You got to get through an entire season. You got to get through six months, and you can't be cooking your bullpen. To me, that's why a guy might have a longer leash uh, in the regular season. But during the postseason, uh, I don't care who that guy is. It, it, he could be a three-time Cy Young Award winner. If he's struggling early, that manager should probably go ahead and make a decision because today is all you have in the postseason. I'm on board with that. Let's see here. What do Ben, Joe, and Jay Chad do to fill their time during the off season? That's from Mary in California. Uh, I'll go first. Kathy and I go see the kids, um, and we go to California to see Meg and our grandson. That's typical. We, um, in most years, certainly didn't in the COVID years, we meet some friends of mine and their wives from Oklahoma take a trip to Vegas. Uh, nice. One year we went to Atlantis. Uh, so we'll we'll do something similar to that again this year. I think we just get to have a life. Uh, the, the answer I always have is I get to say yes to all the things that I have to so, say no to during the season. And friends, family, travel, all those fun things. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always a fun time, especially if you're coming off a World Series like we did last yeah, year. Yeah, boy. For me, there's always about a week period where I don't want to do anything. I don't want to leave my house. I want to unpack my suitcase from the season. I want to do my laundry. I want to put my things away. Um, I want to get reacquainted with my house and my wife and the dog. Uh, but at some point, yeah, uh, I'd like to go on a couple trips. Um, certainly before the COVID years, that was always the case. Yeah. Always at least one big trip. Uh, but just have a chance to breathe and relax. And, you got a honeymoon coming up, right? Yeah, in November. So. That'll be awesome. And you're going to uh, Macon? Yeah, we're going to Macon. Cool. Holiday Inn. <laughs> 
Well, they, they've got the uh, music hall. The what is it? What music hall of fame is it down there? Georgia Music Hall of Fame. Okay. And a, a free continental breakfast. Yeah, make sure you go. Make oh, well. sure you see it. That'll put you in the mood. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> they had a hockey team down there. Remember them? Was that the the Whoopie? Yeah. Yeah, the making Whoopie. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a good question. I like this one. This is from Joe in Boston, and I'll be really interested in you guys' take on this. Who is the Jock Peterson equivalent from last year's divisional matchup on our roster right now? Feels like we need a surprise bat late in the order that puts the fills on their heels early. No matter what happens, I love living these memories with us, meaning the booth. Who, who's that guy? Well, here's what I'll say. I'll start by saying this. There's only one Jock Peterson in the universe. There's nobody like that guy. Um and what I mean by that is just from a personality standpoint, what he meant for the team doesn't mean that you couldn't have another guy who's equally as meaningful. I think on the field, you talked about it earlier, Joe, how big Ronald Acuna is for this series. I think on and off the field, you have to lean on the guys you've leaned on all year. That's Dansby, that's Austin, that's your pitchers. And um, I just hope that you can get a, a big moment from some of those guys over the course of this series, get through to the next round. Jonathan? Well, when he says a surprise ba- a surprise bat late in the order, um, the first person that comes to mind, he's not in the lineup today, is William Contreras. I think that's a good call, too. Yeah, He had an opportunity yesterday, certainly, um, to put the Braves on the board first, uh, and he'll probably get more opportunities as we go along here. Uh, I don't know who that guy is this year. I, I would have said Von Grissom um, because I thought he was going to maybe get some at-bats uh, and surprise everybody with some heroics like he did when he first got called up. Uh, there's another question here from another uh, fan who wanted to know, were we as surprised by Vaughn Grissom hitting for Grossman yesterday as he was, as the person who wrote in? That was from Dan. And I, and I would say yes, it did surprise us. Um, the answer to that in terms of why were we surprised – Nobody likes to burn two players with one move. So you take Grossman out, he's done. You pinch hit Von Grissom, and then you put Rosario in. So you've lost two players with one move. Yeah, You didn't, you didn't have the ability to put Von Grissom in left and, and just sub those guys. So that was the surprising part is that you had to use two guys. Mm-hmm. I agree. And Robbie had been so good against lefties. Yeah, I mean, that was why he was acquired. And um, – uh, and didn't get that at bat. There was something, you know, maybe Brian Snitker, I don't know if he addressed it in his post game or not. Sometimes a manager's just got a gut feel for stuff like that, and he wants to go with his gut and knowing what how Vaughn sometimes rises to the occasion at the weirdest times, maybe that's what he thought. Yeah. Um, there's a couple I want to read here. This is a question I want to read just because I want to say this guy's name. This is from Ryder Henson. Well, doesn't that sound like a – a villain from Gunsmoke or something like that? Yeah, or the mayor of Atlanta. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ryder Henson says, will any play from the postseason be considered in the rookie of the year voting, or is it purely a regular season award? Uh, also, do you all think uh, – who do you all think has the upper hand for the award? That is uh, – Ryder, that is a, uh, a regular season award, and I really like Michael Harris's chances to run away with that thing Especially here Especially with, with, with Spencer getting hurt yeah, down the stretch. Exactly. This is from Pat, and this is a question for you, Joe. Uh, what does it mean when Joe says shift to the left, Dixie chicks to the right? Oh, that just started early in the year um, with all the shifting that was going on. 
You may remember the Dixie Chick song, Wide Open Spaces. That was uh, a referral to the wide open spaces on the right side of the diamond since there was nobody over there except the first baseman. So shift to the left, <laughs> Dixie Chicks to the right. And that was to sum that up. I still love when you say that, by the way. Uh, good luck, boys. Pleased to hear all the games this year. Let's have another. That's from Joe. We appreciate you listening, Joe. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, JC, you got one? Yeah, you guys can answer this. When it comes to travel, is there anything different in the postseason? That's from Alan. Just a lot more people traveling with us. Whew. We're taking two planes to Philly. Two planes? Yeah. I mean, think about that. We load up that first plane during the regular season, but you get to the postseason, you got everybody going. Yeah, and it's not the VIP-type plane that's all first-class seating. It's a regular big plane, two of them. So a lot of family, a lot of front office people uh, who get rewarded in the postseason for their hard work, and that's certainly understandable. There's a question from uh, – Pat Stewart. Oh, no, that was Pat. That was Pat on the Dixie Chicks. Yeah. No, it was from Darren. What was the question Joe wouldn't read on the last podcast? Same one I'm not reading on this <laughs> podcast, Darren. Oh, man. Um, I haven't been to many MLB games, but I'm retiring and hope to remedy that. Sometimes you say the visiting Braves fans are on the third baseline, and sometimes the visiting fans are on the first baseline. I assume that has to do with which side the visiting team's dugout is on. So is it different for each park, and how do you find out ahead of time? That is the case. That's from Ernie. And Ernie, it, it, it's different in each park. I, I feel like there are more home dugouts on the first base side than not, but uh, sometimes it changes, and... Um, I don't know how – I guess you'd have to watch one of those teams' games in an opposing stadium before we get there to find out which dugout is the home dugout and then get your tickets on the other side. The majority, great question. The majority of home dugouts are on the first base side, but there are a handful around baseball uh, stadiums where the, the, home, the home dugout's on the third base side. Yeah, like Miami, first base. I think everything else in the division is third base for the visiting dugout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're in that first base dugout down in Miami. Pittsburgh, the Braves are in first base. Yeah. yeah, you just sort of just go watch that team's games and see where they set up. This question comes from Mark. Big game today. What did you three eat for breakfast this morning? I had two eggs over medium, salmon, blueberries, and a cup of coffee and a piece of toast. That was breakfast number one, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> two eggs over medium, bacon, hash browns, raisin toast, and orange juice from... Waffle House. Waffle House. Oh, man. We're going undefeated today. Yeah. I made a, uh, a Western omelet, some diced ham, onion, Louisiana tomato, hot sauce. Uh, pepper. Um, I said ham. And then I had some uh, grilled chicken on the side. I guarantee you the wow. Phillies broadcaster didn't eat as good no. a breakfast as we did. No, they had donuts. Yeah. Yeah, they had donuts and chocolate milk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hey, guys, I love listening to the broadcast of games. Jay Chad did a great job doing play-by-play in game 162. I'd have probably slipped and let loose some expletives if I were in his shoes. 
Well, trust me, Stephen Moy, he did. It just wasn't on the air. And he did have to run to the restroom real quick. But other than that, it was all just fine. He says, with the changes coming up next year to the schedule where we're playing uh, a few games against everybody, what's going to happen to the tiebreaker for the division crown? It's my understanding we're going to have an even number of games against our division opponents. Thanks. Love the podcast from Stephen Moy. Hey, Moy18, hello. Yeah. Um, that's a very that's good a question. question. Yeah. My guess, and I don't know this, but my guess would be this. Say we played 10 games against the Mets and we split. Won five, lost five. I would think from there it would go to run differential. Or what's your what's the uh, the best divisional record between the two teams? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, I, they, they're probably going to have a long line of tiebreakers so they don't have to play a game. Yeah, I'd imagine so. But you can't afford to do it now that you're playing a best of three wild card round. Then you'd be waiting. Uh, you'd be asking the division champions to wait even longer than they do this year to play a game. Uh, let's see. How fun! Let's see. That was. Oh, we read that one from Ernie. Um, either you guys got one right off the top of your head. Uh, there's just a bunch of them applauding J. Chad's work, mm-hmm. man. Uh, Sally from Stone Mountain said she definitely thinks we should reuse the Louisiana hot sauce reed for that promo spot. Using, That's a great idea. Using Jonathan's reed on it. That was excellent. Let, let, me go, let me just tell you guys how this happened. So when the Braves won the division Tuesday night, after the game was over, there was a celebration. We were all in attendance. And Joe and Ben kept telling people, hey, Jay Chad's going to make his MLB debut tomorrow. And I said, no, I'm not. And it kept going on as a joke. And then when the game started on Wednesday, game 162, I think towards the beginning of the game, Ben mentioned something about it. Yeah. That it was going to happen. And I told these guys during a commercial break, I'm like, I'm not doing this. Then sure enough, we go to the fifth inning. Ben does the pitching change. And he said, now for more play-by-play, here's Joe and hopefully Jay Chad. And Joe said, yeah, it is. And so I didn't have time to think about anything. <laughs> Which like, is probably better. Yeah, like it just happened. <laughs> anything can happen in this booth, especially game 162 of the season. Which I, I can't wait for that to become a, an annual tradition in our booth. Um, I'll be better next season. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to tell the three of you how much I appreciate all that you do. I know it's a major commitment to do what you do without – uh, ever really getting a break. I'd put Ben, Joe, and Jay Chad up against any booth in baseball. You're so fun and extremely entertaining. If any of your bosses are listening, and I like this part, please pay them all and sign them to lifetime deals. That's right on. guy, Rob. Thank right you, Rob. on. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you a cut. Yeah. He needs to be our agent. This is from Chris Thomas in Gainesville, Georgia, home of the Red Elephants. Joe, Ben, and Jay Chad, if a player wins a Rawlings Gold Glove but uses another brand of glove, how is that handled by the player? Do they switch to Rawlings or just accept the award and continue to use their old sponsor? Thanks for all the great broadcasts. Looking forward to the postseason, Chris Thomas, Gainesville. Chris, that used to be uh, is almost like if you didn't use Rawlings, you didn't get considered for a Rawlings Gold Glove. And it became very political and um, wasn't fair. Uh, and it's still not all that fair. Um but you don't have to use Rawlings to my to my knowledge now, and right. it's voted on by now by managers. I think I don't think the players vote. I think it's just managers. Right. So it's a lot more fair than it used to be, and it became so popular too. One year, David Wright won the Gold Glove over Chipper and uh, Aramis Ramirez of the Cubs. Ramirez and Chipper both had like five errors all year long. David Wright had fifteen. 
really wasn't close yeah but david wright played in new york he was popular and he got the award yep something they they do on that award though that i really like for the guys who do use rawlings if they win the gold glove they will use that model that they use and it's not a, a generic glove that's gold it's the glove that the model that they use true turn it gold i'll tell you what i like about it too if you are a rawlings guy like uh, say a max freed for the rest of your career that branding on your glove is gold yeah that's cool it's pretty awesome yeah it is um hi ben joe and jay chad ben i saw you posted your scorebook for game 161 when we won the division i enjoy keeping score when i go to games i know everyone has their own way of doing it so two questions for you both what scorebook do you use and why and number two i noticed a color coding system that you use what other tips and tricks do you use keeping the score that's from morgan in madison mississippi um i I just say whatever you do do it every single game Uh, i think that's the key for me because that way i know exactly what i'm looking for I don't want to switch anything up from my normal routine. I like to hi- uh, highlight things so I can look back and see how many double plays did we hit into that ball game, how many home runs did we hit into, and I don't have to just look through it inning by inning. It just pops up off the page. So that's what works for me, and um, I-, I think everybody who keeps score does it their own way, and that's what makes keeping score so unique. It's a great question. Here's a good question from Jeff. It's very long-winded. I'll skip a lot of the, the first part of it. He's been listening for a long time. Um, he said, I love how Ben and Joe switch off on the play-by-play duties throughout the course of the game. This gives the listener a chance to hear two different styles of commentary with, within the same broadcast. From an, an announcer's perspective, how does the preparation for the radio call, where you handle both play-by-play and color, differ from the preparation for the TV call, where you'll generally only handle one or the other? Do you prefer one medium over the other? Do you prefer play-by-play over color or vice versa? Keep up the great work. Thanks for all you do. You're the best in the business, and that's from Jeff. That's probably Frank Coor. He's trying to figure out how to get over here and get out of TV. That's my guess. Makes sense. Yeah, and who could blame him? Um, For me, uh, the analyst doesn't have as much to prepare for on TV because, frankly, he's not talking as much. Uh, The play-by-play guy's job on tv is kind of tee up the other guy and you should be prepared to do that but more often than not it's about what just happened on the field it's not about some notes or anything that you wanted to uh, write down and memorize you just can't do that the game just doesn't follow what you write down all the time Mm -hmm. you might want it as a reference but you don't want it to write down and from a play-by-play standpoint that's different yeah it is um i know for play-by-play on radio versus tv i mean what we do over here is so much more descriptive which is fun for me. I like having a blank canvas that I can really create whatever I want, whereas TV, you're working within the confines of what's on the screen. Mm -hmm. More times than not, you don't really control what's on the screen. So I like that we get to do that for our listeners, and um, it it also allows us an opportunity to have more fun with each other back and forth. It's not so rigid. Uh, It's not so direct with our roles. We can kind of, especially during the regular season, we we can really – have a lot of fun and show our personalities, and it's not just nose to the grindstone and make it the same every single night. I, I know each broadcast might sound similar, but I like for each broadcast to have its own different twist. I don't like having the same um, initiative every single night and ha- having to sound the exact same every single night. So uh, to me, that's that's so much fun, and I, I, I'm big into creativity, and I think radio as a medium gives you the ability to do that so much more so than, than television does, and that's what I enjoy about the play-by-play of it. I had a producer on TV at, tell me one time, asked me one time, what's the uh, 
common thread tonight? What What's the line of discussion tonight during for the game? I said, I, I don't know yet. You know, get back to me about the fourth inning. I'm, I might have some idea the way this game's going, but we don't <laughs> we don't write this up. There's no have, script for what happens and, down and, there. And they don't follow it. And he was kind of beside himself that I, there wasn't any kind of pre-planned discussion of how we think the game should go. I, I just realized then a long time ago that they don't have a clue. Yeah. And they still don't. Right. Um, the other side of it, if I can throw one more in because you know where – where I come from, as Ben just said, we don't we don't have to follow any any particular uh, line of discussion on TV. You could get into a discussion. Chip and I could get into a discussion about the game that's going on or something that's relevant in baseball, and it gets interrupted three times because he's got to read a promo, right? A sponsor, you know. Uh, here's a word from so and so while the game's going on. That kind of stuff. It's just ridiculous how they butchered TV with all of the drop-in sponsorships. We have some. We, uh-huh. we, we read various things from our sponsors that we love, but it doesn't get in the way of the game. We don't we don't let it. We do them. We read those when we have a, an opening. Yeah. TV's not the same. That, that gets flashed on the screen, and you got to do it right mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. A lot more organic over on this side. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this comes from Rick. And Rick says, after the Braves won the division in Miami, your booth celebration seemed much more subdued than last season. I love being taken inside the booth, but I was just curious about that. That's from Rick. Uh, I, I know I'm trying to do the call and finish describing everything that happened. You guys were standing with your hands raised, and it's a it's a magnificent achievement. I think the biggest difference is, is J. Chad didn't leap into your lap this time. But here's the thing. That was for a World Series. We won the World Series again. He might do that again. And Well, I'm going to have my leg up this time. And, and <laughs> you're not getting in there. <laughs> I think it was much more subdued because recently we've been there. Um, we've done that. They're all different. They're all fun. They all um, mean a lot. It's a huge accomplishment. And, of course, we were very excited. But I think the expectation this year moving forward is that's just the first step along the way yeah. uh, to a few more of those. Well, and last year, you know, it had been a while since the Braves even won a postseason series. So every time we moved up, we were getting that much more excited because right. we hadn't been here in a long time. Yeah. Uh, here's one from uh, Adam from Tullahoma, Tennessee. Isn't that where the Tennessee Thumper was from? The bats, the metal bats? I have, have to, to get back to you on that. <laughs> Didn't you have a Tennessee Thumper? A got, aluminum bat? Got a couple of them. Yeah, I know you did. Hey, guys, would like to know your thoughts on how and when Ozzy gets mixed back in. Assuming he's healthy for the NLCS, is it a true, is it a smooth transition for him to step back into the lineup, or do you think he will be a disruption to the current team chemistry? We definitely miss him, but also want to do what's best for the team as well. Thanks, guys, and go Braves. Adam, Tullahoma, Tennessee. Good question. I would say uh, disruption to the current team chemistry. No way, no chance, no how, no matter what. If he's healthy and they think he can help the team win, he'll be back in there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, If Ozzy's ready to go, I want him in there. If he says he's ready and he can play, I want him in there too. Uh-huh. Uh, hello to everyone. First, you all need to know that you keep me company from March through October as I drive my four children who are leading their best lives. You make Braves country feel like they're right – uh, right there in the booth with you for each game, and I particularly love listening when you're in Oakland. That made me laugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of quick-slash-dumb questions. The white uniforms with the gold outline and the four in Roman numerals on the sleeve, 
Are they just for uh, when fancy uh, fancy company comes over? Uh, Kelly in, in Birmingham, those you get X amount of dates by Major League Baseball. It's called the Major League Baseball Gold Project. And if you win the World Series, you get those gold outline uniforms. And Major League Baseball gives you X amount of home games that you can wear those for. Major League Baseball sets that up. Uh, furthermore, uh, Kelly asks, explain Pitchgom to me. How does it translate between the many languages spoken and... Uh, do batteries seem to like it, pitcher slash catcher, not the horrible batteries that they used in Miami last week? Finally, what about allowing us to submit questions during lengthy rain delays for y'all as a way to kill some time? Love to everyone in the booth. You are the absolute best. Thank you so much, Kelly, and some good questions there. As for the rain delay, ha- be our guest calling Kevin McAlpin on the rain delay shows. So yeah. take all your questions there at 404 <laughs> <laughs> um, Here's one that I think – uh, people should understand too. It's from Ryder Henson. Did you ask that about the rookie of the year already? Yes. From Ryder? Yeah. Yeah. The other part of that, it is purely regular season. And some people don't realize that when a guy has a real good postseason, well, he should have yeah. won on a Should have done that in July. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, one last follow up to Kelly's question on the pitch com. It, all it is, Kelly, the, the catcher has a remote. The pitcher has a speaker. When the catcher hits a button, they hear a computerized voice. Or actually, you can record any voice you want into this. I don't know that teams have done that yet. That's a good question regarding the Latin pitchers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Does it come come through in Spanish? Uno, dos, trace. I don't know. Um, but I know that that's, that's all that it is, and they hit the button on their shin guard, and the pitcher can hear that as they've got it tucked away above their ear in the, uh, the band of their cap. And sometimes those devices go bad. They swap out with uh, one of the middle infielders. Typically, the shortstop also has one, so they know what pitch is coming. And I know that uh, – oh, here's the tarp coming out on the field right now at Shoot. Uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I know that the volume on those things, they, they say it goes up to level 20, and pitchers have typically set around 11 or 12 is where they keep it. So I guess they have to crank it up really loud when they got their glove covering their ear and they're trying to hear the thing. That would drive me crazy. Yeah, me too. Just just that that uh, remote control looking thing inside the band of my hat. Yes, it would bug me. I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, here's from one from Rod, and it's one that this this question, your question, Rod, is representative of about twenty others that we got, and we condensed it down into yours. I would love to hear your thoughts on the prospect of re-signing Dansby. I, for one, will be really disappointed if Anthopolis lets him walk. Dansby's a winner. He has a huge baseball IQ and has become a major voice in the dugout clubhouse. Thanks. What are your thoughts, boys? I, I don't know what the future holds. I feel like uh, both sides would like to come to an agreement, but it takes two to tango. And um, honestly, um, as much as I hate to say it, I hope Dancy's back. I hope he's a part of this 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 Braves team and the core that they've put together uh, for a long time. But um, you know, as we saw last year, I didn't think we'd see Freddie Freeman ever wear another uniform. So um, I don't really have a thought one way or the other. I hope they resign him, but I'm I don't know. These things are so unpredictable, and I think as you bring up Freddie Freeman, that's the perfect example of it because never did I think he'd play for another team, especially the Dodgers. 
But that's the business side of this, and that's the difference in baseball in 2022 versus maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago with how free agency can go. I, I try my best, and this is impossible to do fully, but I try my best in these situations to put myself in the player's shoes. And if I'm Dansby, I, I want to stay here. I think we all know that. He is, you know, he's said as much to us, and I think he would like to stay here. Now, at the same time, I also know that I'm 29 years old, I believe he is. Yeah. And I know this is my last opportunity at a big contract. When I get to the backside of this contract, there might be another contract there for me, but it'll be nothing compared to what I'm about to get. So this is his time to cash in. This is his time to get generational wealth that he knows that he's done the best that he could in this game. And he's had a great season. So he has to do what is the best for him. He might want to be here. He might want to stay in Atlanta for the rest of his life. But at the same time, it has, has an obligation to himself, his fiance, and his to-be kids and his future family uh, to get that and, and cash in as much as he possibly can. He would like for that to be in Atlanta. That doesn't guarantee that he's going to be an Atlanta Brave. And I think you want to hear those offers, hear what those figures are like. And if it makes sense for you to be here, I think you'd like to do that. But that doesn't mean that it's a guarantee. I think that's um, accurate. I think that's pretty much what it'll boil down to. Uh, I don't see Dansby receiving or really asking for contracts similar to the one that Seeger got from Texas, certainly, or even the one that Correa got from Minnesota. Now, Correa has an opt-out, yeah, and he could be a free agent this winter again. But I don't see those numbers uh comparing to what Dansby wants or will get I think it'll be a notch below that and if he's willing to I'll quote unquote settle for that right then I think the chances are very good that he will be here uh it's just it it comes down to dollars and and what's fair I think I hope Dansby and his representatives will be fair in their assessment of market value and if that's the case then I think then the Braves will probably mm-hmm. be able to re-sign him. Yeah. I, well, I think there will be anyway if they just can just agree on a number, and that's going to be huge. I agree. We about out of time. By the way, Peter Mullen just walked in. Pete, come here. Oh, yeah. Give us give us a uh, a prediction for tonight in the series altogether. Wow, this is a lot of pressure. Yeah, I know, right? Welcome to the radio booth. I am going to go. We are going to shut these guys out tonight. That's okay. for sure. And we're going to score at least four. So I'm going to go with a five nothing victory tonight and a three one victory in the series. Okay. Wow. I, I like love that. it. That is confidence right there. That's what we were looking for. After game one, everybody's you know got their dauber down. Do you know what your dauber is in Australia? I don't know, but a isn't that a, a <laughs> Lord of the Rings character? Yeah. <laughs> Dobber. Dobber. From, from Lord yeah. of the Rings. Dobbins? Dobbin, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're Dobber. We're way off track. <laughs> you're, you're lower, lower lip. People were panicking last night, but it's okay. We did this last year. Uh, somebody said it. They knocked the rust off yesterday, played a good second half of the game. We have a full bullpen and a Kyle Wright that's uh, getting yeah. ready to tear it up against these guys. Absolutely. JC, you got a prediction? Yeah, I got the Braves winning 17-2. to two. Zach Wheeler goes two thirds of an inning. We get straight to their bullpen, and we had to Philly feeling pretty good. Okay, yes, we will. We're gonna we're gonna feel pretty good going to Philly, no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> but that's right. But I, I'm with uh, Peter. I like our chances tonight, and I think Kyle Wright is going to jerk up a gem tonight this afternoon if we can get this thing in uh, against the Phillies. Every confidence. I'm going to go um, Clubber Lang from Rocky Three mm-hmm. when he was asked if he has any predictions. 
He says, pain. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. That'll wrap things up for us. Hope that you'll tune in tonight. Game number two in the National League Division Series coming up this afternoon, weather permitting. Uh, Tarp is out in left field right now. They have not put it on the infield yet, but rain is coming. So just buckle up. Could be a long night, but as long as it ends up with a win, that's all we care about. And hopefully have multiple uh, more episodes of our show between now and uh, the end of this season. Hopefully that comes at the conclusion of the World Series. That'll wrap things up for us. For special guest Peter Moylan, for Game 162 play-by-play man Jonathan Chadwick, for Braves Hall of Famer Joe Simpson, and for me, I'm Ben Ingram. You have been inside the Braves booth.